From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is Midwestern airline mechanic Embracing Tiffany. Hi. Let's uh, just go ahead and dive right into your story. Okay. When did you first realize that you were different? What were those early clues for you? Oh, early clues were just just not feeling like myself. You know, that, that standard, you know, not seeing yourself in the mirror, that was a huge part of it. Like, I, mirror time for me was non-existent. It was in the bathroom, out the bathroom, gone. Up until, you know, the realization, the real epiphany moment, um, that's how long that lasted. And then when I started HRT and actually started seeing changes in my body, I... I I like seeing myself in the mirror now. You know, it's one of those things. It's really, it's that whole, you know, why do trans people take so many selfies? It's well, it's because we haven't seen ourselves mm-hmm. for, yeah. you know, our whole lives. And now we do. And now we can't get enough of it. Like it's, you know, we're trying to make up for lost time, you know, and, and then growing up as a kid, you know, it was just, I thought, you know, it was one of those, I didn't know I was different until I found out I was different or started to find out I was different. Like I thought everybody thought, you know, sure. I want to be a girl. I wish I was a girl. Like I thought everybody had that, that, that uh, feeling and that desire to like want to do the things the other group was doing. And slowly, but surely it was like revealed to me, like, no, that's not that's not how everybody thinks and I'm just, you know there are other people but we don't talk about it right you know nobody nobody really opens up especially at a young age because you know we're so afraid of uh, ridicule or um, isol- being isolated you know from the herd you don't want to be the different one mm-hmm. especially you know when I grew up in the Midwest and uh, you know in the 90s late 90s, early 2000s, it was not something you wanted to be. You didn't want to be the different one. Um, we had talked no. initially in in our, our pre-interview, and you mentioned uh, being jealous of the girls in, in some specific ways. Do you want to talk about some of those? Those were fun. Yeah, the uneven bars. Like, you know, on the playground, like, I was always jealous of the girls because they would just, they would, you know, they'd do the, they'd pull themselves up on the bar and, like, just spin. And I'm like, I want to do that. And like I would try, and I would just I'm we joke too because I'm completely uncoordinated um, <laughs> for the most part. I mean, my job like I have some sort of coordination, but like that kind of coordination just eludes me. And and you know, and then like going up through high school, I was just always jealous of like cheerleaders, and and it wasn't so much like I was attracted to them; it was like I wanted to be them, like I wanted to have that that experience and and you had that awareness at that time (laughs) yeah well you have that awareness but you don't let yourself like you kind of put push it out like you use like well that's weird like you and you're like trying to give it like a name or you're trying to like explain it away and you i you can't especially when like back when i was growing up you didn't have a word like transgender for what you were feeling it wasn't that wasn't a thing Mm -hmm. um now it was a thing, but just not in Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. So it wasn't something that we um, that know. was in front of us or that we had exposure no. to. No, and we certainly didn't have role models. Like mm. we did not have 
anybody um, anybody that we could really say look up to and say that's it's okay it's okay to have these feelings it's okay to be that way mm-hmm. um, yeah so you ex- expressed in the pre-interview that um, a lot of your life you were kind of fighting against this fighting against these feelings and what were some of the things that you did along your your life to kind of stay away from the feminine side of things oh I would I would go out for sports I would do just really anything I could do like fix it you know I I tried military school. It was my dad presented me. I, I, high school was when I started high school. I was a, you know, I was a wreck and just couldn't concentrate and anything like that. And so my fir- my freshman year, I just fall fell flat on my face. And so it was presented to me to repeat the ninth grade or try military school. And wanting to be gone and be rid of the feelings I was having. Well, what's the most manly thing you can do? Well, military school, why not? You mm-hmm. know, it's just like, let's do it. And you get there and you're like, oh my God, it's even worse because, like, it's, oh man, I can't even describe how, like, out of, like, a fish out of water I felt. Because mm-hmm. you have all these, like, you know, these hyper male, you know, boys running around and you're like, nope, not me. It's uh-huh. like, it just, it's like shines a spot like on everything that you dislike about yourself. Hmm. Okay. And so uh, it did not take me long to end up not being in military school anymore. And I ended up, you know, back in a traditional high school setting back home in Des Moines. And, and I just... I bared down and just hunkered down through that. And, and then after high school, you know, I find coping techniques, you know, I would do things that would distract that weren't necessarily masculine because they were, you know, they were, Oh, what would we, they were androgynous activities, I guess is the best term that we came up with. They were mm-hmm. co-ed at bed, you know, one was technical theater. I loved building sets and doing lighting and anything tinkering. Tinkering was always has always been sort of my thing. Like I can like let my mind wander mm-hmm. and just um just let it go. And so anything where I could tinker was something I would use as a distraction. So that that would uh lead me up through uh high school and into college and even into into college later um i so i started college around 911 okay and and so what's the you know i already made this decision that what's you know what's the what's one thing that you could do to fix it do hyper masculine thing so when 9-11 happens and college is, you know, the same sort of deal. That transition just wasn't working. What's the thing you do? Let's jo- let's join the military. Let's go to the Air Force. It's like I can't stop making the same mistake <laughs> to, to fix what I thought was wrong. So, But this, t- um, this time it's going to work because we're just going to go – we're going to go all in. We're going to go gonna, much bigger. Yeah, right. Right? I am going to get paid to do it. I'm going to be in the back of airplanes. It's going to be great because I love airplanes. So, um, so I – 
that didn't last long. I ended up coming out on a on a medical thing for asthma. I didn't wasn't aware I had, and so um, luckily that didn't last either. Um, and, and that was and one where you didn't have to make the choice, yeah. right? You you were you were yeah. medically discharged, so no disgrace. It was just it like wasn't. free pass. Nope. out of here. <laughs> I started. Uh, um, as a baggage handler at the Des Moines International Airport, and then, and from there on out, just kept uh, kept on doing it. So, mm-hmm. that that led me to aviation maintenance. So, what brought about your love of airplanes in that industry? I grew up around airplanes. Uh, like I said, my dad was in the Air Force, so it wasn't unusual to be around airplanes, military airplanes for sure. Um, like on the weekends and and it was always a part of my life uh being around airplanes so it was kind of a no-brainer okay um, it was you know how do i how do i get to be around airplanes to get paid and so whatever i could do to be around airplanes to get paid that's what i was doing that brought me to you know i just moved up companies and airlines and ended up at uh where I am today, you know, it's just part of the journey that I've been on. So I, I enjoy it. <laughs> what was your progression? What made you realize you were trans and how did you progress to that and actually coming out? So how I got, I got started in aviation maintenance because again, trying to fix what was wrong. What's I love doing what I do. So what, do, what am I going to do? I'm going to do another hyper-masculine thing in which I'm going to join the boys club that is aviation maintenance. Mm-hmm. So I, I do that and I love it. I fall in love with the job. I fall in love with the work and I just, I'm over the moon with it and it's providing the distraction, right? And, but with every distraction, you know, you can, it's like a drug, you know, you can, you, you have to take more and more to, to like get rid of, you know, whatever feelings that you are trying to cover up. And at some point, it's just not working. And on top of that, you know, now I've, I'm married by this time, and I've got a kid, and I've got another kid on the way. And just, I'm sinking into this depression because I just can't escape. It's like I can't get rid of this feeling that's hanging over me that I just am not happy with myself. Mm-hmm. I, I have the greatest job in the world, and I have everything that I've ever like thought I wanted, and I'm still just not happy because I'm not. Yeah. And like I still can't look at myself in the mirror. I can't. You know, it's just it just keeps pressing on on. So finally, it comes to this point where you you do start looking for actual solutions you you start looking in the areas that you were too afraid to look in before Mm -hmm. and so um on a work trip one day i you know i was on a social media site um and very random because i never looked anything transgender up a picture popped up of somebody we all know and I was intrigued and mystified and, you know, I, I had to see what this was about. And so 
I clicked on the image and it opened up this whole Pandora's box and thing the pieces just started like just dropping into place like Tetris. It was just like I mean, it happened really fast too. Like once and, I had the word for it and once mm-hmm. I could put it all together, it just everything made sense and and then you start going through the feelings of how do I even like that? You know, we talked about this, like you can't like, that can't be me. I can't do that. I can't, I have all this other stuff to mm. to worry about. So that leads me up to like, how do I end up coming out? Mm-hmm. So. Well, I can see, you know, you find these images, you find somebody's before and after, and you're like, it puts yeah. it in your mind that that's actually a possibility for you. Um, why are you yeah. being sheepish about who it was? Why don't you go ahead and, and tell the audience? Oh, because it's <laughs> the same person it always is for everybody else. It's, it's Samantha, of course. I don't like I don't like name dropping. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, it was a picture of of Samantha, and uh, and that's kind of the catalyst right there. And it was, you know, and then you find it the other big names out there and you're like, okay. I mean, and by that time, by the time, you know, I knew who Luverne Cox was. I knew what transgender was and I knew, but you know, it was one of those, uh, that's not me. Mm-hmm. That's not me. That's it, not how I feel. It wasn't tangible. How I, yeah. yeah. Or you just were, or you're just afraid to put that title on it. Right. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. don't want to be in that group because you're still afraid. Cause it's that upbringing. I don't want to be othered. I don't want to be outcast. You don't want to upset the apple cart that you've been toting around forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Especially, like you said, when you're so far along and you've got all your ducks in a row, you've got the the wife and the kids and the job, and everything's going great. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. And you're just about to drop this A-bomb on the whole thing and see what's left at the end of it. And hope that everything that you've built is like able to withstand this giant bomb you're about to drop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some of us, you know, it can't. And for some of us, you know, some of it survives. And for a few of us, all of it survives. But I don't think anybody really goes through this and comes out unscathed. Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to, I think, especially when it's late in life. I mean, if it was a little earlier in life and you have like everything out in front of you. I mean, you're still building that identity. Whereas I, you know, yeah. those who transition later in life have this whole identity and you're going to just pull that thing out of the ground and repot it somewhere else. And again, some of it's going to die. I mean, some, not all of it's going to live. So, and it's scary. I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I fretted over every single outing, every, every single, uh, when I say outing, I mean coming out uh, to every single person. I mean, I wanted to have everything in order every step of the way. And then work was a big one of that. Because work, is, I mean, for the most part, my work is my identity. That is, I I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I have yeah. very few marketable skills other than that I can fix things. So, um how did everything start to go when, once you brought it up? Once you started coming out to people, who did you come out to first? 
So I first came out to one of my closest family members, and it's my cousin who lives in Seattle and has just always been there for me. And he's in the LGBT community. So, you know, you, you kind of, we, I think a lot of us, you know, when we pick our first person to come out, we try to, it's, we try to do like, like a softball person. Like we're not going to go right after mom or dad. We're going to go after somebody who we know is going to be in our corner. And for me, that was my cousin. It was over a late night text as as sometimes these things go and okay. he was he was very supportive very you know you know i go you know i tied to i think i'm transgender you know there was the three blinky dots and i'm like <laughs> just waiting what's he gonna say and he's like okay what makes you think that so then we we go into it and um the benefits there of coming out to somebody who's been there before as far as coming out is concerned and is they've been there before they can tell you uh, they can warn you of the pitfalls you know you're Mm -hmm. gonna want to come out to everybody right then and there right some people just want to they want to scream it to the once they know and they want to start coming out it's hard right it's hard to to like hold back but sometimes you do you need to sometimes it needs to be a slow rollout and uh and so that's how I approached it too. You know, that was his first words of wisdom are, you know, you're going to want to come out to everybody. Don't just, you know, take your time, you know, let it, let, let people come to you, you know, and, you know, let people reveal themselves to you and then you can open up to them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I rolled with it. Um, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Feel out who who is going to be accepting we have pretty good intuition about that and Mm -hmm. yeah it's important to build your network slowly and and strongly make sure you got the the best foundation and build up to those the bigger kind of scarier people um along those lines who was the hardest person for you to come out to Mm, the hardest person had to be my dad and only because you know, and we didn't really talk about this part the other night, but uh, because, you know, we try to impress our fathers, right? Especially, mm-hmm. you know, we're always looking for that, for that validation, that acceptance and that, you know, and it just, so that was a hard one, you know, and it, it was so hard for me, especially because my dad's a very strong personality. <laughs> I I ended up writing him a letter, mm-hmm. and um, I uh, because I I knew that he would try to interject and interrupt, and it's like I need to get out what I need to say. So I wrote him a letter, and he uh, he didn't ever tell me that he received it, and um. <laughs> until like a week later when he was like insisting on coming for a visit to, cause he doesn't live, you know, I'm the only, I, I don't have any family here, uh, direct family okay. in Minnesota. And so he was very insistent. I'm like, why are you being so insistent? Like, you know, I, I have a light, like I have a life. I can't drop what I'm doing. And it, he, you know, he goes, well, after the Lorette letter I received, Oh, okay. So you got the letter. Good. Um, so he comes for a visit, we have chat and it went okay. I was like surprised at how well it went, but then 
with him, it kind of fell apart after that. And, you know, it unfortunately was one of those things that doesn't seem like it's not dead, but that relationship isn't dead, but it's not doing well. Okay. Um, But, you know, that's, you know, what are you going to do? You can't, I can't dwell on it. I have so much other, you know, I have so many other people in my corner. So it's, it's hard to like really be upset about it. Like I've written a couple posts on it um, in my Instagram, but you know, it's, I have so many other things that I have to like sink emotion, you know, my emotional health into. It's like, I can't, I can't, I don't have time. I don't have an emotional strength to like pour into that relationship, you know? And so hopefully he'll come around, but, but, you know, I kind of know him and everybody else knows him. So mm-hmm. like I'll maintain the, fr- the, the relationships I can maintain. And it, it's not that I've cut him off. It's just, I'm kind of just letting it be for right now. Yeah. So, well, and like um, you said, it takes so much energy to keep up these relationships. And that's one thing that's a benefit of coming out and being transgender is in this, like you really start to understand more deeply the nature of friendships and what a, a true friendship is, is like and uh, you know what a great relationship is and how much more valuable the people that truly accept you are than even the people that are really close to you that don't accept you. It, 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 it's a weird shift in your mind. Like you said, we've got this innate thing to try and please our parents and get that validation and all of that. But then you start to see that there's, there's just so much more value in the people that are truly in your corner and really support you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the, those are the people that, you know, I try to like sink a lot of my energy into the Mm -hmm. people that are there for me and the people that, that want to be a part of, this person's life and not the old person's life or not wishing that the old person was here. And, and that's, that's a huge thing. That's, that's extremely validating for, Mm. for anybody who's a, who's an ally is that you, that you, that you realize that this is, this is a huge thing. It's not, we don't take these decisions to, to transition lightly. It's not something that we just are, are, uh, you know, shooting from the hips so mm-hmm. to speak and that's that's actually one of the things my dad was very sure my dad wants to put blame on people you know he wants <laughs> to blame this so like he like it's my therapist or it's my wife or it's my my cousin you know the cousin who i came out to you know because <laughs> he's gay it must be him it's it's yeah you know the gay agenda did it again so um I don't, I'm not going to take it too seriously. And I'm not saying that everybody should be that way. Um, you feel how you feel about it, and that's that's perfectly okay. Um, I just happen to find the humor in the fact that my father does not accept me. Um, so all in all, what has the rest of your family's acceptance been? How, have, how has that gone in coming out to them and trying to get um, acceptance from the rest of your family? So... Well, so my father's side of the family is, you know, it's so large and I've never really had much interaction with them anyway. Um, it was easy. Like, I don't think anybody knows, to be honest. Um, oh, okay. So that's easy. Um, <laughs> other than like my sisters know and my stepmom knows. and But I think it's the secret. I'm the secret of that side of the family. Um 
and that's okay. I, I mean, that's how they want to treat it, and that's how we're going to roll with it. And the other side of my family, on my mom's side, they, you know, you know, it is what it is to them. Um, it the, her side of the family is much smaller, um, and so and that includes and it includes my cousins. So, you know, uh, my mom. You know, it was a shock. It took a little bit, but mm-hmm. she got there, and she, you know, she understands. And actually, I ended up learning something new when I came out to her because she, she, she's in the medical field, and she actually did a bunch of like classes and seminars way back in like what would have been like the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, on transgender like care and health mm. and. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of funny and ironic a little bit. Um, and so. So there wasn't as much explaining for her. She kind of knew a, a, about it, but it was still hard for her to, to accept it at first. Well, and I think what's hard for her is like, you know, she had no idea. I was one of those that gave no signs. It was one of those. I was silent about it forever until I wasn't mm-hmm. nobody knew I kept it it was my it was my secret I kept it clo- that was my closest guarded secret I ever had and you know and so I think the biggest shock for her was the fact that I had suffered for so long in silence and so that turned to like for her it was turned into guilt and like that like I didn't feel comfortable to share this with her because, you know, it's, you know, it would have been hard. It would have been extremely hard to, to come out then. And, you know, I, I honestly don't know how, you know, we all, we all do the, oh, I wish I'd come out sooner. And I just, in, yeah, I would. Wi- I wish I had, but in the early the the late early the late nineties, early two thousands, I don't know how that would have gone. Yeah, Des Moines, Iowa, right? You don't. I don't know how that would have transpired, played out. I mean, given what we know about my father, I don't think it would have gone very well. So, yeah, no, I I got that. Um, uh, my my father said that to me um, pretty specifically. That like, I mean, he was alluding, but. But it was he was basically saying that, yeah, I wouldn't have accepted this, you know, ten or twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. My family, my family's kind of gone off each other's reactions. Like, how are they supposed to react? Oh, um, okay. And my mom, my mom's kind of the biggest key there. And you know, if you you react with love and kindness, others kind of take that cue, and that's how we, that's how that side of the family has kind of taken it so yeah and then same with my wife's family mm, you know, okay they, i was i was worried about them mainly because i have a fairly good relationship with my father-in-law because he's an aircraft mechanic too and you know it's just like one of those things like he was more of a, a, a dad figure to me than my own dad was and it was that was a relationship I really was scared to lose. Okay. 
Um, and luckily, you know, he never missed a beat. Um, I mean, he's a little awkward, but that's just his personality. He's just, you know, he's very quiet, mm. stoic person. And, you know, but again, never missed a beat. You know, it's just, okay, that's, if you tell me how you want me to, to act. And if, you know, if I'm acting, you know, not how you want me to act, then you, you just tell me. So, Again, everything just kind of feeds off of that, you know. If you mm-hmm. you you lead those kind of leading by examples of how to 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 act towards us as as transgender people are, are huge. Mm-hmm. Family, while dreading it, ended up being the least of my worries, you know, <laughs> for the most part. Okay, so the yeah, the, I would assume that the big one, and you're still married to your spouse. How yeah. how did that how did you manage that <laughs> how did the, the so, you come out to to her and how did that how did how you work did through I, that That's always a fun story how I came out um, So I you know keeping things secret for so long it's easy to keep secrets right you know we don't but we once the once the uh, genie's out of the bottles per se you you just you need to to continue like sort of feeding that sort of thing and mm-hmm. so i found reddit fairly early on and so reddit became like my like morning ritual like i would check reddit and see what new things were on all the you know all the reddit pages one morning i i'm doing that and i get up to go get our kids ready for the day and I leave my phone sitting on the bed. And the curious thing about I found with Reddit is that the app doesn't allow your phone to go to sleep. So my wife, uh, I'm, you know, changing our youngest diaper, and I hear her, my wife, come in and say, you know, what is this? And I look over, I'm like, she's got my phone, and what is what? And she's looking at it, so I walk over, and it's the Reddit. It's Reddit is up. And mm-hmm. the only thing I had, like, on my Reddit, on my saved pages, are all trans stuff. And so, like, immediately I'm faced with the two sides of that, that co- you know, that coin. You know, do I deny and explain it away, or do I come clean? I can't. I'm not a very good liar. I can't lie. Worth a shit. And <laughs> so the only option left to me is to uh, to just come clean. And so I end up, you know, I tell her, and this is my exact words, I'm like, it is what you think it is. And so she's like, what does that mean? And I'm like, and I'm like, like without saying the words, like I'm trying to get her there because it's hard to say, right? It's not. Yes. It's hard to admit. Mm-hmm. It's like even hard. It's hard to admit to ourselves, you know, just before, you know, when we have to, to do that, like, to say that we're transgender, like even to ourselves, or you're worried that, like, no, you're not trans. You're not. This isn't. Mm-hmm. It's something else. It can't be that. And so, so it's hard. And so, so you know, I, finally, I admit to her and. And so we have the very, our 
day of sort of reckoning, you know, where we spend <laughs> the entire day with each other talking, you know, what does this mean? You know, and of course, if anybody knows me, I'm, I'm really good at making really like poorly timed jokes. And so like, like me trying to lighten the mood during that day, I've made some stupid remarks, I'm sure. And I know I did a couple times and that just kind of set us back. And so, so, but we, we, you know, we worked through that day and like the very next day without missing a beat, she's on our internet or on our internet, our health insurance website, trying to figure out what's covered. Wow. You know, and it's just, right? Like, I couldn't believe it. I walked in and she's like, well, good news. And like, she's like on that thing. And like, well, everything looks like it's going to be covered. I'm like, wow. Okay. I had, I hadn't even looked that stuff up because mm-hmm. again, you know, it makes it real when you start looking stuff up. So, um, that whole, like, it still kind of boggles my mind that, you know, that the surrealness that I felt, you know, like, oh my God, I'm actually out mm-hmm. now what you know it's my transition but it's been fairly like fairly straightforward you know you just tick mm-hmm. all the boxes off on the milestones as you go along and it's been fairly i don't know i don't want to say routine it's not a thing mm-hmm. there's no but routine so you're, you're following kind of a typical but... schedule you're yeah like you said there's yeah, certain yeah. amount of steps and you're just kind of going so... through them at a normal pace. Yeah. And, you know, and one of the biggest hurdles and that kind of is what led us, led us to this is, is work, you know, now how, what does this mean for work and mm-hmm. my job and, you know, and how do I come out at work? And that was a huge hurdle for me, for sure, was coming out at work. I have no problem saying, you know, I work for Delta Airlines okay. um, and they're very, very progressive in the fact that they really promote diversity on all levels. Um, Delta, I was fairly confident that the company as a whole was going to be fine, you know, and and as supportive as a corporate entity can be supportive. Right. Yeah. But But at a more local scale, it's, there's a lot of what ifs there. Um, Mm. Yeah, your specific manager, your team, um, mm-hmm. the, the, your local your HR. direct coworkers. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's just like how, because I, I only know one other trans person in the company at, you know, and I don't work with them. And then there's only one other person that I know who's a mechanic and they work for a different company, you know, that contracts, that Delta contracts by, uh, contracts through. And so... And they were a huge help. That um, my friend Taylor, um, who's a mechanic as well, uh, was a huge help. Um, now he's transitioning the other direction, so it's a little bit different, but still an invaluable resource nonetheless. Because yeah, um, you know, especially when it comes to like name change, like federal licensing and stuff. Oh yeah. So very true. A little bit bigger stakes so, there. Which, yeah. So I, uh, I took it fairly slow, and I I took the one person at a time approach. And so, what I ended up doing at work was coming out to like-minded coworkers that I knew 
that I had grown close to over the years mm-hmm. and felt comfortable with and and just you know getting allies getting allies on my side and it was a lot easier than I thought it, you know, all the people that I was fairly close to as coworkers were again, all like-minded and just very accepting and affirming and, you know, and just were great. Oh, and I meant to, I meant to look up the actual numbers, but I can get you a ball. Like it's 308,000. Uh, certificated aircraft mechanics in the United States. So for the FAA. And so out of those 308,000, there's only 7,000 in change females. So it's like roughly 2.5% of all aircraft mechanics, licensed aircraft mechanics are female. So it's a very, very male dominated, you know, and it's not it's not one of those industries that goes out and like actively tries to recruit women um i mean but it doesn't shun them it doesn't it just is not one that they just i don't know i don't know what it is about you know some of these industries that are really hard for women to break into yeah and then and then let's flip the coin and then we'll let's dissect that even more how many are trans femme and it's probably maybe four <laughs> you know i don't know it's probably not very many i i can't imagine how many trans femme aircraft mechanics there actually are what what were some of the um what were some of the biggest things that you were afraid of and what were what were some of the specific steps you did in coming out or in in working in your industry to find that acceptance that that you had to do or that you felt that you needed to do so i guess my biggest fear was like not being accepted not like being sort of like shunned or like finding a work a hostile work environment you know and i would lose this one thing that i like put so much heart and soul into and found you know, have so much love for um, that it would like shun me and it was hard it was hard to think that you know that I would not be able to continue doing the thing that I love and what it ended up ha- actually happening was the rumors were kind of flying you know and so I ended up having to and I hadn't told management or HR yet at this point only Know, half a dozen other mechanics knew knew oh, okay. for certain then there was a lot of speculation about what was going on and so there was a lot of a lot of people were worried i know one of the arguments were they were worried that they weren't going to be able to say stupid shit um and this that was actually a direct quote and what's funny is it's like you shouldn't say t- stupid shit to begin with you know and what they mean by stupid shit is stuff that um would get you in trouble in 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 a, a mixed work environment, you know, a mixed uh, genders work environment. And I thought that was so bizarre to me. It's like, well, okay, well, maybe you shouldn't say that stuff in the first place. But you know, it's just me. So what ended up happening was I ended up 
wanting to get ahead of or wanting to control the narrative, right? So I ended up just going to my manager one day and said, you know, I'm saying, I need to meet with you. Now, I should add that my manager is female, so I lucked out in that department. It was really something that I could really easily talk to and somebody I could really talk to, I mean, and and they could relate with the ideas and the worries that I had. So, so in that regard, it did, I found it, it was something I was super worried about, but then ended up being the most affirming thing I had done to date, which was coming out at work. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, they may disagree with it, but I, I will never know. I, I honestly don't know if anybody actually has a problem with me as a transgender person because I don't have any problems. I don't have issues at work. They, mm-hmm. I am this, you know, I show up, I do my job and that's really, I, I think that's, they see that I'm putting in the effort and they know that it's one of those things. And this was actually something that I was like, I had had to like prep myself for is being confident about it. I had to be confident in my decision because my work, my job is one of those kind of jobs that if you come in there with any sort of, Mm -hmm. you're going to get eaten alive, right? Mm -hmm. And so you, if you are confident in, and show that confidence, meaning for me coming in there and saying, this is who I am and I need you guys to be okay with that. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not here to get anybody in trouble. I'm just here to do my job. That went a long way, I think. And so it's kind of interesting. You get these guys and some of them just don't miss a beat. It's just, hey, Tiffany, how are you doing? You know, I don't, I rarely get dead named. The the biggest thing that I run into at work too is, is just a misgendering with, as it pertains to like, the sirs and the dudes and the boys and the and the guys those uh-huh. sort of little colloquialisms that that you know it's just because i'm the only woman on the floor uh-huh. you know and there's only two actually three mechanics and then one manager so there's four women total in my department you know and only two of them are actual you know wrench turning mechanics and we don't see each other. One's on one shift, and then there's me on a different shift. Okay. And it's just one of those things where it's just like, so you got to get used to it. You got to, and you don't let it bother you because again, it's one of those things where they, if they know it bothers you, then now it's it turn in, turns into fair game. And again, I'm not I'm not there to make get anybody in trouble. I'm just there to work. So I don't I don't try to make waves. Okay. If I feel like I need to correct somebody, I do, and. I haven't had any issues when I do. And a lot of times they realize they screwed up. Like they realized they said, Mr. Instead of Mrs. And so like, um, mm. it's, you know, and it's just little things. Like I try to, I try to have a little bit of fun with it a little, a little bit. If I don't make a huge deal about it, but I'm confident and I'm, you know, and I'm, I present it, present my case to him. I'm like, you know, like the, some of them, like for some reason, had this thing where they needed to wait until my legal name change went through to actually start using my actual name. Now I gave them a workaround, and I I just told them, hey, if you can't use the name that I, you know I go by, go ahead and just use my last name. 
it works. It's fine. I don't care. You know, if, if it makes it easier for you, that's fine. I'm not, it's my, it's still my name. How could I get mad? Yeah. It's a good so compromise. Some of them still do that. So some of them still do that. And some of them just didn't, they just were holding on to that dead name until I said something to them. And then once I said something to them, it was like, oh, you're serious. You know, this is serious. And I need to, I need to, and, and I, I presented like they didn't take me seriously, but they, they did. They just didn't know. A lot of it comes out of not knowing, and which is why I wanted to join this council that I, I just got uh, added to. Because some people just, they, they don't ask me questions out of fear. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want to say the wrong thing, which is fine. Um, I actually had an interaction with our senior VP of maintenance at a meeting just prior to COVID. And I was probably the first transgender person he had ever interacted with. And he wanted to ask me what my old name was. And so I had to have one of those educational that's not something that you should ask a trans person. It's just, that's, that's one of those off limit questions that mm-hmm. if they want you to know, they'll tell you, but that's not that he's like, Oh, I, I didn't know that. Like he didn't know what dead naming was and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, there's a long way to go. And I, and that's kind of the other reason I came out or felt the need to come out is because, you know, I wanted I want I want there to be more transgender people in aviation maintenance. I think that, you know, it's kind of an amazing job. And I don't think just because it's this huge boys club that it can't be, you know, a career that transgender people can be in too. Mm-hmm. You know, both uh, trans mask and trans femme. There's really no reason trans femme people can't be aircraft mechanics. And I was so lucky when I, so I came out to my manager and then like a week later I came out to our, our HR rep and, and I was very lucky. So we, like I, I mentioned that we have one other transgender person, not, not in my department, but in, I think they're in, in the uh, baggage handler department and what we would call it ACS, aircraft customer service. Mm-hmm. And he had actually, actually they might be in a, it doesn't matter he had actually helped with their transition before. So my, my HR, because, you know, a lot of times we, some of us that come out in these larger companies, the the HR person hasn't come across this. And so it's like a learning, Mm -hmm. uh, a learning experience for all everybody. Right. But luckily I was lucked out and my HR rep had gone down this road before. And that's great. You know, whilst, you know, whilst it was a learning experience for them, you know, like they don't know all the answers, they're like really, they, they understand. And it's been nothing but an amazing, from a corporate and management uh, aspect, it's been great. And then in turn, from, you know, direct coworkers, I've been just blown away by the acceptance and like I said, if anybody has any problems, I don't hear about it. And, mm. and, and that's fine. The, and that's how it kind of should be. If, if, but if you also have questions, you should be able to come to me too. And I, I, every time somebody goes out of their way to ask me a question or have like an open dialogue about um, my life, my experiences, 
you know, because they want to know, not because they just want the, the dirt or the, mm-hmm. the juice on what, you know, on what's going on with me or transgender people. Yeah, you can usually I, tell the difference those, in, in those, in the way that they're asking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, every time I've had one of those conversations, I've always been just blown away by like how good it feels to like open somebody's mind mm-hmm. to that. So, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's still happening like on that, you know, I started trans, uh, coming out at work on a one-on-one and now I'm just having these conversations in these one-on-one settings. And it's, it's, I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Every time I have one, I have people come up to me and want to know and want to like, you know, I had somebody the other day, you know, I, I heard some, you know, they come up to me and like, I look like, you know, I have long hair, I have a ponytail in, and sometimes I have a little bit of makeup on, but I'm in like my shapeless uniform. And, <laughs> that doesn't and so help, yeah. I'm not actually exuding femininity, but, but they'll come up and they want to know like, oh, I heard something about you. Uh, I heard something. I just want to know, you know, somebody, the last person came up to me, I hadn't seen him in a while and I'd known them since... I started at Northwest Airlines back in 2007 and they they wanted to know what my what my name was now and so I told him and he's like okay I just wanted to make sure I was getting it right I'm like that's amazing like, mm-hmm. you just want to make sure you're getting it right cuz you don't want to refer to me as the wrong person so that's great you know yeah and um, another question from from Mira uh, going deeper into the acceptance specifically, what did you find with FAA? Was there anything specific with the level of acceptance within there that was? Uh, so it's funny that you say that because I literally just came from the FAA today. Um, they actually, I mean, some of it's just hard to like gauge whether it's where I live or if it's the actual, you know, government entity or if people just are accepting at this point you know it's just like it's like we hope that we've crossed this threshold where people just don't question it right where it's yeah. starting to be accepted and become something that they deal with now they we always get the the thing i've gotten as i've gone through name change and stuff like that is like i want to make sure i'm doing this right i want to make sure i'm doing this. so you know they're not handling it on a regular basis, right? But okay. I, I went in today, and I knew that they had done it before because my friend Taylor had gone and done it before. So I know that they know how to do it. So at least in Minneapolis, they were amazing. And just, you know, what do you need done? Let's get it done. Let's do what we need to do, you know? And not, no questions, no dirty looks, no anything, you know, as far as I know – they just were doing the paperwork like they would do for anybody. Minneapolis is a fairly trans-positive space, I've found. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot. There's actually quite a few transgender people that live here in Minneapolis. Um, and so, or, you know, it's, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to, like, gauge because, like, I don't, I, I, I do very firmly believe that if I had done this in Atlanta, it would not be going the way that it goes here. I that feel like yeah. my experience here in Minneapolis is maybe unique 
I hope it's not, but I'm not going to kid myself and think that I would have had the same level of success in another in another city. They they really don't have any reason to deny you any any of the things that we ask for. So you know when you're if you give them what they need for like paperwork, there's really nothing they can do, right? It's mm. there's federal guidelines for the FAA. So if we could, I'd like to circle back to your relationship and kind of dive as as deep into that okay. as as you're willing to, because you know work, family, and spouse. Those are the three big things. You had mostly good with the family, a really good, smooth transition with work. And we know you're still married, so clearly that's gone well. How did you manage some of those conversations? Well, what candy. were Yeah. What were some of those what were some of those big conversations? How did you get through some of the key issues? And what were those that cropped up? Well, I think so the biggest issue, and I think it's an issue we still deal with. And that's communication. And that's that's kind of the biggest pitfall, really. Um, anytime we've had issues, it comes down to communication. And uh, being, and not just communicating, but effectively communicating. Um, and it's something I struggle with. And I don't know if it's just something that it's... I, I don't know if it's a side effect of being so closed off for all those years uh -huh. and and ever just not and just suffering in silence or I do have a I have a tendency to avoid conflict mm -hmm. um, so you know it it all adds up so anytime we've yeah. had issues or are having issues or anything like that it comes from it comes from communication do you feel like you struggle to advocate for yourself in some of those conversations you know the same the same type of thing of you know I find um, keeping things to myself and all of that and kind of bearing the burden, but also like having a hard time advocating and standing up for the things that I really need or or want. Yeah, yeah that's a huge that's huge. Yeah, I can't. I am very. I struggle greatly with advocating for myself for the things that I'm I'm missing, but I also I also like. I'm one of those people that tries to see both sides of the coin mm -hmm. as far as like, and sometimes I lose sight of it and, you know, you know, but I try to be as empathetic as I can be because as much as this is a tr my transition, it's my spouse's transition too. you know, sh she's gone from a sit head, uh, heteronormative marriage to, what it is now which is a same-sex marriage you try to i try to put myself in her shoes as much as i can you know when i can't when i don't you know yeah i i get myself in some some hot water sometimes hmm. but i think the biggest key that i've tried to remember when it comes to my spouse and this journey is i want them to be on the journey with me I don't want to feel like I'm dragging them through. So a lot of the guilt that I feel sometimes, and I've, I've had a lot of bouts with guilt throughout this whole process, is when I feel like I'm having to drag her through something. And that's hard. That's it's really hard because, um, you know, 
if you are forcing them to go through something they weren't prepared to go through, then you can start to get that resentment mm-hmm. and such. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to avoid. Like, and so I, I try really hard to, to slow down and, and make sure that they understand what's going on or why I'm feeling something. And I miss the mark just as many times as I hit the mark on that one because of the communication issue, you know, why is this important to me? You know, anytime that there's been pushback, I don't, I haven't effectively communicated why something is so important to me. Okay. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to, to explain something to somebody who doesn't feel what you're feeling. Right. Yeah. You know, they haven't had to deal with dysphoria and, or, and what that feels like. And so you're, excuse me, sorry. Uh, (laughs) So you're trying to, you're trying to, 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 advocate for yourself whilst explaining you know Mm -hmm. what's going on it's so important and they may not understand and when you're effectively communicating it's it they may may don't understand but they'll accept it and know that it's important to you Mm -hmm. and i think i think for the most part my spouse understands when things are important and why they're important and and you know it's a it's a marriage it's hard and on top of that you've got kids and now we've got covid and i've got work and you know my work takes me all around the world sometimes so you know sometimes i'm parenting from afar which sucks yeah you know and uh, you know i just i try to remember we're in it together and we're a team and that that helps out a lot when mm. when I when I put it in terms of like we're we're on this journey together and I'd really appreciate not appreciate but I'd really it would serve me really well to like have that partner have somebody help me get to where I want to be mm-hmm. you know and it's rewarding for her I think just as much to see me grow into the person that I've always wanted to be. Yeah. And she's told me, you know, and I, I get that from her too. You know, I get, you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't. So I have to like advocate for myself again. So mm-hmm. well, and, and, and like you said, one of the key things is empathy. And the problem with our situation is that it's nearly impossible for someone to empathize with it. Like, and, and we don't even get that in trying to advocate for ourselves because it was always part of us. You meant you mentioned it earlier that oh, other people don't fantasize about being the other gender, like they're not always thinking about it and all and all these things. We are not aware of the things that are just innate in us ourselves. And so when we're trying to explain it to other people, like it's 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 so hard because you you know, we just think it's part of us. It should be part of like everybody should understand this, yeah. but we don't get the the fact that like it's so hard for people to have empathy for it because it's so yeah. out of the the realm of being cis. Yeah. Well and it's it's kind of it's kind of funny that I you know, it was so my cousin, you know, he said the same exact thing. It's like I thought everybody wanted to be with boys. <laughs> and and so he couldn't fathom that, you know, you know, it wasn't 
it was hard for him because he grew up in rural Kansas. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. And so to have people try to empathize with that feeling, like you, you try to like draw similarities. You try to make those, those connections like, okay, you know how you feel this way. Well, that's how I feel. Like, you know how mm-hmm. you feel like you're a boy you know, or a male. Well, I feel the opposite. I love what, you know, Ra- what Rachel's try- saying in the chat. Rachel's talking about how it's it's like it's like calling um, a migraine a really bad headache. Like nobody, if somebody who hasn't no, had a migraine hasn't experienced that. They don't know. Yes, calling it a really bad headache is like the closest they can get to, but it's still pretty far off. You know, I've been trying to use yeah. that same thing. I I, I kind of call it the um, the chasing Amy approach. That was the first place i'd ever heard of it where he was trying to ask her why she was attracted to women and he's like and she's like well why why are you attracted to women and he's like you know it just it just feels right it's like okay you know it's just that's the way it is but but god and that's forgot completely about that that whole sometimes you forget about like (laughs) things that like you draw those parallels with yeah chasing amy is definitely one of those movies right yeah and and we talked about you know how easy it was to talk to and have conversations with other trans people because we don't have to explain things we Mm -hmm. don't we just skip ahead we skip ahead to the like yeah we get it it's it and we can just go on to like you know oh my god i did this and like my dysphoria was out of control or i looked at this in the window and i really wanted to wear that but you know Mm-hmm. my body shape and you don't have to explain why like you're you're like upset about something you know the the because you know it's because you're trans like those kind of things those little those little things that that are exclusive to our our community like are just implied it never have to be explained like i'm not explaining dysphoria to somebody who's trans because they know they know mm-hmm. what it's like and that's sometimes hard too. I've found um, when you are trying to be part of a, like an LGBT group, you know, yeah, we're all LGBTQ plus. We're all, you know, we're all under that umbrella. But when you get into like, like sometimes the L, the G, and the B don't quite understand what the T is all about, <laughs> and and what they're like, you're still explaining that kind of like what it's like to be under under the T umbrella to all the other letters. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard and you feel very isolated. I was, I was at, um, an event for NGPA, uh, uh-huh. which is the national gay pilots association, which is the LGBTQ, um, aviation organization. Um, so if you're LGBTQ and you're in aviation, you should definitely be a part of NGPA. And, they i i felt completely isolated because you know it's you know a lot of gay guys and lesbian women and and it's like i feel like i'm the only trans person there and i feel like i'm explaining my situation to people and then luckily a couple other trans people showed up and i was like oh thank god Mm. (laughs) i was in phoenix and i was visiting uh um uh, Lexi at last and and we went into this gay bar because we were just trying to find some place to hang out while I was visiting for the, the day and a half I was there and 
there was actually more trans people. It was actually the first probably trans bar maybe there is. Hmm. It was There was more trans people in the bar, the small gay bar, than there were gay or lesbian people. And like, like there were four bartenders and half of them were trans. So, nice. So oh, it was very Wonderland. interesting. It was very, it was like, oh, oh, this is a thing. Um, are you considering... Uh, bottom surgery and if so how have how have you managed those conversations was that something that she kind of foresaw oh, from the yeah. beginning or <laughs> did you have to prepare her for that yeah so that was one of the early that was like something that we talked about and then that very first day right you know mm. how uh, what does this mean and i I honestly, when I started, when that egg cracked as it was, uh, <laughs> I wasn't sure that surgery was for me because I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a relationship with that part of my body, so I didn't really think anything of it. And then, and so when she asked me on that first day after coming out to her, or after being outed by Reddit, as it was. <laughs> Um, I said, you know, I think the best I could answer at that point was, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. And then I found as time went on, no, I, I think surgery is going to be in the cards for me. I'm scared crapless about surgery. Don't get me wrong. It's, uh, I'm really, ner- I'm, I should say that I'm less nervous after I had my first consult last week um, and it went swimmingly. So Mm-hmm. I feel way better about it now than I did say a week and a half ago. So, uh, but yeah, those conversations, every time we've brought it up, you know, it's like, can, can you be okay with, you know, not having that piece of my anatomy that I've had for the rest the, for the, for all of our relationship, are you okay with that? And that was mm-hmm. a coming to, to terms, I think, for her. And what it meant was we would basically start taking it out of the equation in our intimacy. Kind of, I don't know, scaled back operations. We rolled it back a little bit as mm-hmm. time went on until it just, you know, it just wasn't a part of it anymore and and she and i feel like she's gotten more comfortable with that and we've talked about it and she's become more comfortable with it i I don't want to speak for her no um part of that whole communication thing i think uh (laughs) but (laughs) i think i'm highlighting that our sometimes our lack of communication perfectly um but she's in as an individual she's come to terms with whether or not this is a relationship she wants to continue in and in that soul searching she's found that it is for the you know it is something that she sees value in and wants to pursue and wants to continue Mm -hmm. and so that's that's huge and and unfortunately it's like i wasn't at the same speed with her and so like i'm I had to go through that same um, soul searching, whether this is a relationship I want to continue with. And I'm, you know, for the most part, I'm still kind of going through it, but it's, it's becoming clearer and clearer, Mm -hmm. you know, as the days go on. And as we open up to one another 
And as I break down the ball, the walls that I've built up over years, you know, it's, it's like every day I have to tear down another section of the wall uh-huh. that I've built up, you know, that's keeping me from talking to her about how I'm feeling. Okay. So I, mean, I think some of, like I said, I think some of that's left over from, um, you know, those days of, you know, you're not supposed to talk about your feelings, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing that, that, that stupid toxic masculinity that we were trying to like fit ourselves into. Yeah. These days, how, how confident and valid do you feel as a trans woman, as, as a woman? (sighs) Every day gets better. It seems like. So every day you get to be yourself and not have to go back and forth is amazing. And you get that little bit of confidence more and more. And you see yourself a little bit more and more. And the more you see yourself, the more that confidence comes. You know, the more... And it's hard because sometimes not everybody has as easy a time as some trans people, right? Some others get that passing privilege fairly easily. Some people have to work really hard for it. Some never get it. Mm-hmm. And that's hard. It's hard to, like I told you last night, it's, it's, I have trouble reconciling that. Like, cause it's like, how do I, I don't want, I, I feel bad. It's like, I empathize. Like it was something that I wanted so badly and somehow through no fault of my own. And, you know, I don't really have control over it for per se. No, it's just something that was given to me. Right. And so I feel I get I get more confident every day, you know, when you get mammed and get even to the point where like when I do get surred like by like strangers um and it's usually it's always the freaking people at security. I don't understand it. We have we have these we have like a security checkpoint we have to go through. But I I immediately shoot back, I'm not a sir. <laughs> like it's ma'am. Like I you know, so that kind of confidence, that's, you know, that's confidence right there. That's like correcting people when they've gotten it wrong. It just kind of starts happening. You start getting that confidence. Um, and that's kind of, I've noticed it more and more, you know, I'm more confident as a woman. And and I still have bouts of like whether or not I'll fully be accepted as that woman that I see myself as mm-hmm. and feel that I am. So sometimes I find myself getting myself down on that, but then something will, you know, happen that kind of snaps me out of it. And I, I think I talked about this, like the thing that I've been getting the most lately is like, are you new here? Um, I get the, are you new here question? Cause you know, it's the same pilots and stuff that fly through. And uh-huh. Are you new here? And you know, cause a female mechanic sticks out like a sore thumb. So, <laughs> yeah. And once you rec- once you realize that okay, you it's because they see you as a woman, and these are strangers. I don't know, you know, there's how many there's how many pilots, you know. It's it's it puts a smile on your face afterwards. Like I always kind of smile to myself. Are you new here? Or it's nice to see a female mechanic. Or I get those I get those comments now. It's nice. It's really nice. And so that builds up the confidence. So you kind of got to take the little bits that are going to give you confidence when you get them. Yeah. And, and you I, try to like, 
it's kind of like euphoria. You get those euphoric moments here and there. And I, you know, I can think back to early days of transition when I would have those euphoric moments and I just held on to each one of those, like they were gold, those little, like those little things that you can hold on to and go back to that either give you the confidence or and a lot of them are euphoric moments. So for any other like baby trans people out there that are like struggling, you know, out there, you know, you, and you do get those little euphoric moments here and there when you're, first starting out and it's just like hold on to those i want to tell them just to hold on to every little bit just picture it in your mind anytime you're down and so i do it sometimes when i'm walking across the the tarmac at work you know i'm i i think back to those moments when i'm walking in those those jeans and i'm like that's that was me and this is me and now i'm you know i just hold that confident and i bring that confidence with every step Mm -hmm. So much of it is about trying to find that external validation. And, you know, those are those are great moments, too, where you get mammed and, and you know, you hold on to that, that that's important, too. But it's also important yeah. to find those those times when you can find it in yourself. And just, you know, like I said, looking, looking down at your legs, wearing a skirt or short shorts, and it feels right, mm -hmm. and you feel good. That's, that's as validating for you. And it should be as validating yeah. for you. And you got to hold on to that. And find find the comfort in that and allow yourself to, yeah. to say that this is, this is a reason why this is good and I'm right. And I'm doing the right mm -hmm. thing. You know, look exactly. At, it's like, worry about less about what yeah, other people it, are thinking. Yeah. It's like, it, it tells you you're on to something like you finally feel good about your body. Like, you know, 10 years ago, I would have looked down at my legs and I'm like, wow. But now, you know, it's, I feel good. You know, you start to feel good. And that's, that's, I mean, it's such a long road transition, right? You know, and it gets, yeah. it takes you so long to get to the point where you, you start seeing the good parts and you start feeling good about yourself. And it's just, it makes it so much worth it. And you look back at, at how far you've come, you know, and you never thought you'd get there, right? You never, th I never thought I'd be here almost 18 months on HRT and, and, you know, cause you see other people's posts and stuff and you're like, Oh, if only I was there that, you know, if I want to be there too. And like, you don't realize you're going to be there. You're going to be there. You know, you just got to put in the miles. How did you choose your name? I always think these are fun. Oh, I was very, very systematic in it. I, uh, so my dead name started with a T, and so I sign a lot of paperwork, a lot of paperwork. You know, I sign it T. Stanley. You know, and I'm signing so much stuff during the course of the day, it has to be quick. So immediately when I start thinking about a name, I'm like, well, it has to start with a T. And so, <laughs> because I really don't want to have to change my signature at work. Because, like, we have an electronic signature suit, so then it's another step, and I hate extra steps. So it's like, I don't want to have to go and change my electronic signature and have to go through that bullshit. So, <laughs> okay, let's find a name that starts with T. And so we start, I start going through names. And this is fairly early on in me, you know, figuring out that I'm trans. And so I'm like, okay, it can't be that. It can't be this. I know somebody named this. That's my sister's name. That's my... <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, our neighbors named that. And so it's just like, okay, so what, 
what works and i get to tiffany and i always love the name tiffany always it's a good one. And, yeah. and i make it sound like this took forever and it um this this conversation in my head probably lasted all of maybe five ten minutes and so i came to tiffany and it had everything i was looking for so you you did kind of mention uh, a little bit of advice for young or closeted trans people are there any mm -hmm. other key pieces of advice that you have i guess the biggest piece is and i know this from I, I see this in sometimes some of the support groups and I try not to get too horribly bent out of shape about like the, the little things when it comes to misgendering and dead naming and missing pronouns. Sometimes like in my head, I've always, I always have this, you know, how long somebody's known you versus how often they see you and interact with you. There's a ratio there. And sometimes, and you can tell, you can tell right on if somebody is, if it's an innocent mistake. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some people just get really hung up on those. And I just, I, sometimes I just want to say, you, it's, it'll get better with time. It just, you just got to let it not bug you as much. Mm. And so time to, cause you can let that kind of stuff eat away at you. And that's, that's kind of, it's hard. It's hard to like, let sometimes let that stuff go. Um, yeah. It's another thing that learning, kind of, kind of it chips away at your validity. Yeah. Your exactly. feeling of validity. And I totally get it. And, and, but you kind of like have to not let it, rule the day right you mm -hmm. gotta let it you gotta let it go and if and if it's malicious if it's actually malicious if you know for a fact that they're doing it to, then yeah go ahead you can you can be mad and you can you can you 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 can you know start confronting people on a on their level but if it's if it's genuinely innocent messed up you know it's sometimes you just have to, you, I always give people glances or like uh, my favorite is when they do it wrong, when they, especially at work and they, you know, like when I get a sir or a miss or a mister or something like that, I was like, so close, so close. Like a, like a Mr. Stanley, something like that. I'm like, Oh, you were so close. <laughs> just one more letter and you, you were there. You know, I, I try to have fun with it and that, you know, when you, when you don't take things so seriously, when you, when you, it kind of gets people on your side a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's a fine line though, you know, between being a joke and, and being serious, but that I've tried to not take that stuff. So, so hard. So, mm. but like Makes I said, I, I might be in a class on my own. And if you want to be mad about a misgendering, if it, and if it's been one of those days, you get those days where, you know, nothing's going right. And then you get surd, 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 or mammed, 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 mammed. And you're just like, God dang it, stop. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. And it's, you know, you just, it's hard. I yeah. And so I'll be the first to admit it's hard. But that's one of the things that I've tried to limit my my emotions with. It's kind of my personality not to be too serious about mm -hmm. 
yeah, you know, it's okay to get angry, angry about it sometimes or to, to, to just, ugh. but I think the key yeah. thing is, is try and temper it against what you were saying of, you know, what, what, what is their experience, but also just don't allow it to affect how you feel about yourself. It's not, it's yeah, not a exactly. reflection of you try and get beyond that. Yeah. That's the key thing. I, and I, I get there, you know, when I get the sirs at the security and then, you know, inevitably I shoot right back. I'm not a sir. You know, it's, it's ma'am. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then I do the whole in, you know, inward reflection, like what the hell is it about me that says, sir, what is it? You know, <laughs> like I'm, you know, what, what's, what am I, what, what aura am I giving off that says, sir, there's nothing about me. And, and, you know, and this is me again, looking at myself from the inside. There's nothing yeah. about me that says, sir. Well, and that's and the, so, that's the corner you have to turn because at first you feel like, oh, I come across as a sir. I'm doing it wrong. So they're gendering me that way because, because I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. And then you turn that corner yeah. and it's just like, what, what's, what is wrong with you? Like what part of all of this are you getting sir mm -hmm. from? You know, it's, sometimes and you know my advice like like it just uh, it's easier said sometimes than done but mm -hmm. it's just like then then i start looking i'm like i'm like no it's them it's not it's not my problem it's their problem and i'll set them straight next time and then i set them straight next time right and no, it's not sir it's ma'am mm -hmm. and then i give them one of these <laughs> i think it was lillian i think it was lillian um but I'm sorry if it wasn't. Uh, I, I apologize. I promise you we would get to this. She asked, so I have a question and, and um, she liked the, the, uh, both of our opinions on it. Can I say I'm transgender if I have felt like this since I was 15, but haven't started HRT or, or anything of that sort? I haven't really started on, on her journey. I'll let you yes. answer first. Yes. Yes, you can call yourself trans. <laughs> Pretty easy you one to answer, right? Permission. Yeah, you don't need permission. And I'm also in that camp where you also, you don't even have to have dysphoria in my in my mind mm -hmm. to be trans. Being transgender is not exclusionary. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole point. That's the whole, if you are trans, if you tell me you're trans, you're trans. Mm -hmm. I, I don't care. You don't, get, you don't need to qualify it. Well, Mira brings up a good point. You actually do need permission from the, from the council. It's not permission, but you need to submit your oh, paperwork. Oh, did forget. And, and then, there, of course... It needs to be seconded. Yeah. Once you submit your paperwork, then and you get your certificate and your trans flag, then you can start calling oh, yourself trans. I, I forgot to put the trans flag. Oh, no. This isn't a sanctioned thing, is it? All all trans interviews are like that's oh my god I, that that's a oh, major no. violation of the bylaws like you Can have to have it proudly displayed in your house at all times i've really mucked it up yeah. <laughs> and and you know I, i'll just second that sentiment i come from that place i come from the place of struggling with validity and feeling like I'm trans enough or that I really deserve to call myself trans or call myself a woman because of just yeah. various other internal struggles and just the internal monologue that's complete bullshit. But I love what I've been hearing a lot recently of therapists saying that if you question your gender, you're most likely transgender because cis people don't do that. So that's just a baseline yeah, to build off of. Like if you're questioning your gender, chances are 
you're transgender. So there's one check of, of validity right there. And if you can just kind of meditate on it and, and let go of some of those expectations we have on ourselves and stop trying not to be transgender, I think you'll you'll start to feel these things. And I mean, you're here watching the show. So clearly, it's something that's important to you. So yeah, you are totally valid as a transgender person, just based on those things alone. And then, you know, there are so many other things in your experience and what you want that make you transgender. It's like, add it to the list of things you're not supposed to worry about. <laughs> it's, but you're right. It's just like, if you... If you have these thoughts, A, you're not alone, B, it's normal, and C, good for you. You owe it to yourself to explore it, too. It's a good point, too. Allow it to be a positive thing. You know, good for you. And if it's, yeah, and if you find out that, no, you're perfectly happy the way you are, then cool. That's cool. No one's going to hate you. Nobody in the trans community is going to be like, oh, and shun you. It's like, no, it's fine. Yeah, there's. I mean, gender gender fluid people are under this umbrella too. You know, it's it's, it's such a broad umbrella too. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash thetransverse. And be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetransverse.